Give the band another hand of applause. You can go ahead and take a seat if and you want. Today's sermon is brought to you by Home Depot. (laughs) Oh, it's good to hang out with people of like mind, like faith, even if you don't agree with anybody in the room, it's still nice. Well, uh, today we are going to pick up, uh, we started a new sermon series last week on uh, Breaking Bad. We talked about Breaking Bad habits, so we are going to shamelessly uh, rip off modern uh, TV, I guess, something like that. We're going to talk about uh, how to break bad labels, Um, and it's something... it's, it's not especially during the holidays, but it feels especially during the holidays that we tend to label each other a little bit more effectively because we're spending time with family and everybody's, you know, sharing the same rooms and sharing the same space or everybody's invading each other on Black Friday. It's easy for us to label other people, and it's also easy for us to feel those labels on ourselves. My connection got lost. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> hey, Mikey, will you come grab my iPod? reestablish my connection. Sometimes you have to get connected with stuff. Um, But anyways, we're going to be talking about um, Luke 15 and a bunch of Pharisees, and this is Luke 15, starting in verse 1. A bunch of Pharisees went up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, why are you eating with them? Um, And I know I've said this a couple of times, I say it in my personal life, oh, thank you, Mikey. Mikey is the Savior of my iPad, that we thank Mikey. Lord bless Mikey and his technological abilities. Um, so all these Pharisees uh, and tax collectors, or sorry, well, let's just read it. Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to Jesus uh, to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain, as they did, uh, that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. Now, I've said this a lot, that when we start labeling a group of people as them, we really need to check our hearts because there's something funky going on inside. Anytime that you can go, them, you can go, them, like, who are your friends? They are, Um, because we have subject-verb agreement, but anytime it's them, oh gosh, oh no, anytime we label a race or a religion or ethnicity, um, socioeconomic class, anytime we go them, we need to check, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Oh, it's so funny. All right, so to explain why Jesus came onto the earth, he tells three stories. Well, he tells four stories, like three and a half stories. And he says, this is why I've come into the kingdom, or I've come into the earth. Why is Jesus um, in the earth? Well, he is focusing on these lost people. He's focusing on the the tax collectors, focusing on the sinners. Now, a lot of times when we talk talk about tax collectors, we can often think that Jesus is hanging out with like Robin Hood. He's with like the really nice guys, you know, that are just down on their luck. But no, Jesus is hanging out with like the sheriff of Nottingham. He's going, he's hanging out with people that are intending to rip people off. So it's not that he's hanging out with people that are just a little rough around the edges. He's choosing to associate himself with people like Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. Like that's the people that he's wanting to hang out with. So why is he hanging out with people like that? Hey, Mikey, if you could just keep up with um, my PowerPoint, I'm just going to read it from the Bible. This is sometimes why we don't trust technology, because it bites us, right? Okay, starting in Luke 
15. This is an opportunity for everybody to turn. Yeah, preach it, sister. Come on up. All righty, Luke 15. This is going to start in verse 3. It says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Verse 7, in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and is returned to God than over the 99 others that are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, we know because we have good doctrine that are there anybody, is there anybody that's not straight away? Like, is there actually any 99? No, there's no actual 99. We are all lost sheep that have wandered away. Um, Isaiah and uh, Paul in Romans says that all we, like sheep, have strayed away and wandered away. So we want to ask ourselves, like in this story, there's a, a few different models. Who is God in this story? Who are we in this story? And then what happened? Well, God in the story is Jesus the shepherd. Jesus is saying, hey, I am this shepherd that's going to leave the 99 and go after the lost sheep. Well, who are we? Well, we're the dumb sheep. You know, if you've ever uh, been labeled as a black sheep, we are. We're all kind of black sheep. We're those idiot sheep that have wandered away from the rest of the flock. Now, why does a sheep wander away from the rest of a flock? Um, who here has ever raised sheep? Like maybe when you were young, you got maybe the Romans somewhere. Um, well, sheep are not overly intelligent. They're not dumb, but they're not overly intelligent. And so when they're, they're looking down on the ground, they see grass. And they get really excited that they see grass. They're like, ooh, grass. And then they eat that grass. And then lo and behold, next to that grass, more grass. Hey, more grass. Yay, that's exciting. And then lo and behold, there's more grass and more grass. So those sheep, all they do is follow their appetite. Did they do anything wrong? Not really. Did they mean to mess up their entire lives? No, they just followed their appetite until one day they realized, oh no, I am not where I'm supposed to be. I can relate it to, or I can kind of relate to this like in the toy aisle when we were kids, like, ooh, a toy, another toy, yay, another toy. And then you look around, mom, you're not my mom. You know, you have kind of a home alone panic attack that, you know, you thought you were following the right person, but when you realize Oh, no, I've not found the right person. Well, who are people that just follow their appetites? Who are these lost sheep? We're going we're gonna to mention one real quick, and we won't, we won't worry about it, so it's okay. If you feel the weight of conviction on your heart, just we're going to move on quick. Maybe overeaters, we won't worry about that. Let me just put that over there. Um, a lot of people that are caught up into adulterous relationships, they're not trying to do anything wrong. Are they trying to ruin their life? No, they're not trying to ruin their life. They're just following their appetites till one day they realize that they're not uh, where they need to be. Drug addicts, a lot of the time, will have this problem. Like, are they trying to do anything wrong? No. They just saw, oh, look, another toy. Oh, look, another toy. I'm just going to, this is the last one, I promise. This is something you hear. This drink is my last drink. I'll never touch another drop. Did they try to ruin their lives? No, they didn't try to ruin their lives with drug and alcohol. They just started following their appetite, and then one day they realized, I'm not where I need to be. So what does God do? What does Jesus the shepherd do? Well, he notices that the 99, or that the one is lost, and he leaves the 99 to go after the one. He finds the sheep because he knows where all of his sheep are, because he's a good shepherd. He, you know, he's not a deadbeat dad. He knows where his sheep are, finds the sheep, puts the sheep on his shoulders, 
and brings brings home the sheep and then throws a party. He shoulders the weight of burden, comes home, and he throws a party. I'm telling you guys, if we would start celebrating people the way that Jesus celebrated people, the kingdom would be a whole lot bigger, I promise you. So what does the sheep do? What does the life of a lost sheep look like? Well, the life of a lost sheep looks dirty. It looks uh, predator-ridden. You turn around, and if you can't find your mom at the store, you could potentially find a predator at the store. When a sheep is not with the shepherd, you look around, it's like, oh, you're a wolf. Oh, no. Well, if a sheep gets cut, that cut gets infected because there's no one there to care for that cut. So the shepherd finds the sheep, rescues the sheep. But the whole time that Jesus is trying to rescue the sheep, the sheep is also trying to rescue itself. So how does the sheep rescue itself? Well, the problem is that he's, he's got a broken authority in his life. He doesn't have a shepherd. So the sheep will constantly be looking for a shepherd. Hey, tell me how to live my life. You'll see this a lot with uh, drug rehab programs. You'll get people that are just, they're not looking to get clean. They're just looking for someone to tell me how to live my life. Give me the next, you know, latest book. Give me the biggest uh, self-help conference. Like, tell me how to live my life. And they don't need someone to tell them how they live, how to lead their life. They need a shepherd. And then they need to have a party thrown over them. Okay, so um, we have all of these labels on the outside of this bucket, but I'm going to introduce you to somebody, and you guys don't make fun of me, all right? This is a safe place. This is my teddy bear. If my house were to catch on fire, this would be the thing that I would run in and say, forget everything else, this is the thing that's coming home with me. Came home with me from the hospital. I was once that small. So this is the most important thing to me. And this thing could be sitting in this bucket. And from the outside, you see alcoholic, drug addict, adulterer. But I know the true value of what's on the inside. And you can label all you want to this bear. Well, that bear is old. It's ugly. It doesn't have any batteries or electricity in it. I don't care what your opinion is of my bear. It's not your bear. You could love this bear, you could hate this bear, and it doesn't affect my value for this bear one iota. There's nothing that this bear can do to make me love it anymore, nothing that this bear can do to make me love it any less. And so when it's in the bucket, you guys can't see it, but from my perspective, I can't see all the labels. I see the value of the thing that I love on the inside of it. Now, anytime that we label someone, anytime that we throw a label or anytime that we receive a label, it's because we've lost sight of the value of the inside. Now, you can say alcoholic, adulterer. You can say all this, and we're going to put more labels on here. But anytime we label somebody and it's not valued child of God, we've missed it. Oh, we've missed it. So all these Pharisees are like, why are you hanging out with these sinners and tax collectors? And it's like Jesus says, from my perspective, I don't see a sinner and a tax collector. I see someone that's incredibly valuable. So let's go on to the next story. Um starting in verse 8. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and then caref- or, and search carefully until she finds it? Now when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, who are we, or who is God in that story? Well, God's a woman with a light. Anyone else feel uncomfortable to refer to God as a woman? Well, a lot of the writers in, the, in Scripture will refer to the Holy Spirit with female attributes. 
It's not saying that God, God is a guy any more than God is a woman. He, he has both attributes in him. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of mention this. Well, uh, Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit as a woman that has a life. Now, who are we in this story? Well, we're the lost coin. Now, what happens? Have you ever lost something? Like I lost my car keys and my phone today. So my day has been full of panic and worry. So if you have 10 silver coins, these aren't nickels. These aren't like, you know, I lost a dime. These are very valuable uh, silver coins, and one of them gets lost. What did the coin do to get lost? Nothing. Coin doesn't have arms, doesn't have feelings, doesn't have emotions. The coin does not have bouts of rebellion. The coin just got simply forgotten about. And in our day and culture, a lot of the times there are people around us that simply get forgotten about. We could say that those people are like widows. In high school, because kids are so loving and affectionate, call these people freaks. Orphans get forgotten about. And this is going to seem extreme, but terrorists get forgotten about in their cultures. Coin didn't do anything to get lost. It just simply got forgotten about. Rolled underneath a couch, and I don't know what under your couch looks like, but if it rolled under my couch, that's a scary, dark place. And silver reflects anything that's around us. So if you have a mirror in a room and you turn the lights off in that room, the mirror goes dark. Is it the mirror's fault that it went dark? No, the light just got turned off. And so that coin underneath that couch or underneath that dresser, lost, will start reflecting the atmosphere around it. So all of a sudden, the light gets turned off. The coin forgets its value. The coin is sitting there and has the king's impression stamped on it. But without a light, forgets about it. You start looking around and your best friends look like dust bunnies. And so the coin will start reflecting that dust bunny mentality, that orphan mentality, that terrorist mentality. Did they do anything wrong? Are they intending to ruin their lives? No, they're not intending to ruin their lives. But what a coin will do to self-rescue, just like the lost sheep will try to find authority figures, try to find those shepherds, those coins will naturally gravitate towards anybody that will just show them a little bit of value. Please tell me that you love me. Please tell me that I'm acceptable. Please tell me that I'm fun to be around. If you'll just give me a shred of value, oh, I'll gravitate towards you and I will start reflecting your heart. Now, and that's the reason why I put terrorists up there. Now, when these kids are born and they get adopted into these terrorist cells, are they bad people? Not any more so than any of us. But what happens, they've gotten forgotten about in their culture and they have a group of people going, you're valuable. You're valuable to me. Now it's demonic, and they're lying to them. They're manipulating them, but the, the kids' hearts don't know that. And so their heart will naturally start reflecting the culture that they're around. A lot of people that are going through our uh, um, foster system will start doing this. Are they bad kids? No, they're not bad kids, but they will start reflecting the value of the people around them. And that's why I say if the church would start celebrating people more than we do, if the church would start looking at the actual value of someone over you're messy, you're nasty, you're dirty, you're the wrong skin color, you're the wrong socioeconomic status, if we would actually start looking at the value of the person, the kingdom of God would grow in a tremendous revival. Hitler, to the German people, said, hey, send me your lost toys. And the reason why Hitler was able to establish the empire that he was was because he showed more compassion to people, to lost generations, than the church was doing. 
not us, you know, them, we would, all, we would never show a lack of compassion to people. Okay, so what happens? The woman with the light, all she does, she doesn't start a campaign. She doesn't go to Kickstarter and raise money. All the woman does is light a light. She doesn't have to, to get the 401 out. She doesn't have to get the simple green out. All she has to do is expose that coin to light, and all of a sudden, that value is reinstated. That coin instantly starts going, whoa, I am not a dust bunny. I am made of different stuff than the, the people around us. So when we communicate the truth of the gospel, that God loves you, he's crazy about you, he's a fan of you, has never loved anybody more than he loves you, has never loved anybody less than he loves you, you are valuable to the kingdom. All of a sudden, value is infused back into that coin, and then God throws a party over that person because this coin that was lost has now been found. And since this coin is naturally gravitated towards people that were showing them affection, all of a sudden, the, the false and fake affection that the world was showing that coin, oh, gosh, I don't want to get around you. You're a nasty dust bunny. I found someone that shows me true worth, true value. But we need to be celebrating people more than we do. All right, I'm going to go on to the next story. I'm going to sum up this story because it's long. It's the, oh, don't forget. The value of the bucket has nothing to do with value on the inside of the bucket. Remember that when someone cuts you off in Walmart's parking lot. Is that real or not? Okay, so prodigal of the or the parable of the prodigal son. We've all heard the story a ton, ton of times, so I'm going to sum it up to you. Um, too little time. Let me sum up. So this guy wakes up and says, "Hey, Dad, I would love it if you'd just go ahead and die. You give me all the money that uh, that you owe me." And I'm going to go, I'm going to have a good time. So the dad was like, sounds great, son. So it gives him this chunk of money, and he goes out and he wastes everything. He turns into a complete idiot. So after he runs out of his money, bam, a famine hits the land. All of a sudden, oh, no, no welfare, no Social Security. My parents aren't around. Oh, no. Now, I'll say that a lot of the people that are in homeless situations, it's because of this. And the only reason why we are not homeless right now is because when we had that bad experience, when we made that dumb choice, we had people around us to save our rear end from the fire. So we are here not because we're so smart or we're so rich or we're so valuable. We're here because people in our lives loved us more than we loved ourselves. But not everybody is in that experience. So when, oh, my money ran out and then famine hits the land, there's no welfare system, I'm now homeless. This guy is slopping hogs. And if you've ever done that before, it's a horrible experience. My grandfather had cows, and we always had a bucket, you know, that you put leftovers in. And then at the end of the day, you went and threw the bucket over the fence for the cows. And not once that I ever did that, that I looked down in that bucket and go, mm, man. And my grandfather was a great cook, but after everything went into that bucket, I don't care how tasty it was. I'm not eating that. Well, this guy was going, I'd love to eat like those pigs were. He said, forget this. My father's servants eat way better than this. I'm going to develop a really great way to manipulate him back in, like, so I can get in and be one of his servants. So he developed this huge, big story. And his father, before you and before God in heaven, have I sinned? And he's like, okay, I'm going to say this. So he eventually goes up to his father's house. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says that the father saw him while he was still afar off. Father got up, ran to him, says that he fell on him with kisses, 
restored him back to his original sonship. Now, the son started going, Father, before you, and the father didn't even listen to him. I don't care about your self-rescue attempts. I don't care if you say that you're sorry. You don't even know what sorry is. I'm going to restore you to the relationship. Because the problem wasn't that he wasted all of his money. The problem wasn't that he liked wild living. The problem wasn't that he valued pig slop. The problem was that he forgot that he was a son. That was the original problem. So when the son came back, he restored that relationship. I don't care what your apologies sound like. I'm restoring you as a son. So who is God in the story? Well, God is the father, obviously, and we have the father. So we see Jesus being the shepherd as the son, the Holy Spirit. Now we have God the father, all rescuing lost people. Who are we? Well, we're the idiot son. Now, what, is, uh, what are some labels that we can put on this idiot son? Black sheep, we've kind of been talking about that today. You ever had a kid that's, man, that kid is just rebellious. That is just a rebellious kid. Well, what does the life of a rebellious kid look like? Well, the life of a rebellious kid looks like hunger. It looks like starvation. It looks like wild living. Now, what did this kid do to get lost? Did the kid do anything to get lost? Yeah. This kid got lost on purpose. The sheep didn't do anything to get lost. The coin didn't do anything to get lost. This son got lost on purpose. But even though that he thought he knew what he was doing, when he got down the road, he found people that took him further than he was prepared to go, made him stay longer than he was prepared to stay, and left him holding a bill that he didn't have enough money to pay. And when we sin on purpose, we know exactly what we're doing, and we're doing it anyways, we will find people in our life that will take us further than we're prepared to go, make us stay longer than we're prepared to stay, and they leave us holding a bill with a price that we can't pay. And all that we can do is say help. Well, these people will try to rescue themselves. Well, how will they try to rescue themselves? They will beg, plead, bargain. They will try to manipulate God. God, if you'll save me, this is the last time. I promise. I'll go to India. I'll preach in Africa. I don't care where you send me. If you will just save me right here. And then the next time they're in that situation, God, if you'll save me this one last time, I promise, I won't touch another drop ever again. I'll never go over to that person's house ever again if you just save me this last time. Well, the reason why that doesn't work is they keep on trying to save themselves. They keep on trying to bargain with God. And what needs to happen is that they just need to experience the heart of the Father, restoring them back to a child of God, and they need to experience the pardon. Well, there's another story um, on past that, the next part of the Bible, is there's this older son. We've all heard this before. Older son comes in off the field, sweating all day, sees this father throwing a party for the son, and was like, I cannot believe that you are throwing a party. You need to throw this son in jail. I've worked like a dog for you. Never once have I ever disobeyed you, which is a lie. All kids disobey their parents at some point. Never once have I disobeyed you or left anything undone, yet you throw a party for this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. You ever do that with your kids? Your son. That means that they're in trouble. And then the father restores the relationship because these two sons had the same problem. Even though that from the surface, we could say that this older son was a legalist, or we could say that he was a Pharisee. The people that Jesus is talking to get a chance to show up in the story. I've worked like a dog for you, God, and this one drug addict comes in, and everybody makes a big deal about him, but where's my pardon? And the father turns to him and says, son, you've lived with me your whole life. Don't you know that everything that I've got is yours? 
and at any point in time, I would have thrown you the biggest party for you and your friends. And then the story stops and we go on to a, a different topic. But God is still the father in the story. We are still that broken son with that broken relationship. And what's the restoration? The father is constantly trying to restore sonship back to his kids. Constantly trying to restore value. Lost sheep, you're not a lost sheep. Or you're not a wolf that's out in the wilderness. You're a sheep of the fold. So God is constantly trying to restore people back to himself. Now, a lot of the times it is easy for us to draw near, our hearts to draw near drug addicts, uh, orphans, widows, people that are on the fringes of society because we, we think that we're kind of helping. But what about these legalists and Pharisees? It wasn't Jesus against the legalists and Pharisees. They were also a part of this labeling system. You Pharisees. The Pharisee on the outside of the bucket has nothing to do with the value on the inside. The drug addict, the lost person, the crazy person, the black sheep, the rebel of the family. You can throw all the stones, all the labels on this bucket that you could ever want, but it doesn't affect the value that I have for what's inside the bucket because from my perspective, I can't see the labels. I only see what's valuable inside the bucket. Now, the church is not amazing at this. Like, this is one of the things that, that we uh, mess up pretty often. We do not celebrate the value that we see on people. If we were in the story and we were taking the place of the father, a lot of the times what we would do, the son would show up and we would go, okay, are you going to repent? Yeah, I repent. I'm so sorry. I've messed up everything in my life. Okay, well, I'm going to put you on a shelf for a few years and make sure that you're serious. And then maybe I'll let you do something a little bit, but I still don't trust you. You're still a weirdo. I still label you as a prodigal son. And it's, it is easier said than done, guys. It is easier said than done to focus on the value of the person on the inside. What happens if a bunch of terrorists show up to our church? Would it be hard to not label them by what we see on the outside? Of course. Oh, of course. That's why Paul didn't get into the church. After Paul got saved and then he showed up, the, the church was like, yeah, right. So this person that was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, was like, hi, I am one of you people now. Please show me to your secret hidings. And they're like, whatever, you big freak. You don't get in. And so he stayed for years before the church allowed him to come back in. It's hard not to judge people based on what they've done, based on what they are continuing to do. But realize that any time that you are addressing an issue with someone, man, that is a bucket that you've been caught into. Anytime that you're dealing with a drug addict or an alcoholic, realize that that is not them. That is some system of belief that they have bought into. It looks like them. It's acting like them. They are inside the bucket, and it's easy to go, man, that bear looks like a drug addict to me. And it's like, no, but the amazing power of the gospel is that it has separated us from the judgment of sin. It's a nasty bucket. It's a funky bucket. But Mikey was saying back there, like, the power of the gospel has given us the ability to kick the bucket, that no longer do I refer and judge people based on what label they have on them. I judge people based on the value that God has for them because the only way that you can assign value to this bear is by trusting me that it's valuable. It doesn't have any value to you, but it has tremendous value to me, and I wouldn't part with it for anything. You could give me brand-new car, brand-new house. I would not part with this bear for anything. 
And so I don't care what label you put on it. So as we're walking into this Christmas season, as we're walking for the next year, how about we start, instead of labeling someone on the outside, we reach for the value of the person that's on the inside. And once we find that value, we don't let go. Because I promise you, people are idiots. And they will tempt us to start relating to them based on this. Because they don't look like this bear. The only way you get to see the value of this bear is that you constantly stay from God's perspective, a top down. So can you trust me that there is a bear in there that I love more than anything, even though that all you see is, are these labels? Can we trust that there is something valuable in something, even though that all we see is funkiness on the outside? Now, let's pray. Father, we need help. I need help doing this, God. I am not amazing at this. So, Father, we come to you today, and we ask that um, as our heart touches your heart, that there would be a transference of your Father's heart to us, God, that we would resemble the shepherd that leaves the 99 healthy to go after the one that's lost. God, that we would resemble your Holy Spirit lighting a lamp to restore the value of, of someone that's been lost and forgotten about. God, that we would resemble your Father's heart that is always looking for a son to return home and doesn't care about what the excuses or the statements of intent are. But, Father, when we see someone, let our faces light up. Let's fall on them with hugs and kisses and seek to restore lost relationships. Father, those of us that are sitting here, that we feel the full weight of the labels that have been placed on us by ourselves, our world, and our friends. Father, I pray that you would break those off right now, Lord, that we would start seeing ourselves as valuable as you see us, God. Uh, we ask that you would, like John, whisper something to our ears, say, come up higher so that you can see further. Father, we desperately desire to seek to see things from your perspective. We bless you in Jesus' name.